Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio. For 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, as well as a show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every single day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. This week, we're visiting Park Place, a data centre management company that has made Cork one of its international homes. Their managing director, Sean Sears, sat down to chat with our editor, Niall Kitson, about what brought the company to Cork, the challenges of running data centres, especially those built with equipment that's not meant to work together, and how to get and keep young people interested in science, technology, engineering and math. I guess the the success story of Park Place Technologies in Ireland, really, it's it's based in the south. It's based in Cork. Yes. Um, We're new to Cork. We're new to Ireland. Uh, We started uh, the journey in October of last year. As a company overall, we've been in business for over 30 plus years. Uh, Four years ago, uh, as we saw... We, 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 of course, predominantly were in the U.S., then we extend, extended the business over to Canada, saw amazing success in Canada. That's continuing on. We then decided four years ago for, to the U.K. was just the, most, the next logical step. We've had great success there. That then rolled into other parts of the European nation. And as we look towards uh, with the growth that we're seeing in Europe and the U.K., when you put those two together... Um, we knew that we needed to service our clients better, faster, uh, be much more efficient. There was no question Cork was that, Ireland was that right in the middle that we could do both sides of the water, I'm going to call it. Um, so we worked with the government, looked at what was the best place, and based on what we saw with the educational system, the IT growth that was happening, Cork was without a doubt the, the, the way to go. And we've been really successful. Um, we found quality individuals. Um, we now have our full service center being our call center, supporting our customers across Europe and the UK coming out of uh, Ireland. And that's now rolled over into where we're even supporting now the APAC region. Um, you know, within Ireland, we can get the right people. It's a, there's a, it's a, it's a hotbed for high-tech companies. Um, the universities and what we can get from them, it, it, it works. And ironically, which I didn't expect was, uh, I can also service different languages. And you wouldn't think that about Ireland, but, you know, this country has such a multitude of different cultures. Like when, when you're here, it's, it's a melting pot, which is fantastic. Um, you know, when you look at um, what's happening in the world, um, the company's been around for 30 years. And without a doubt, third-party maintenance has been uh, led by the U.S. Um, Canada jumped on board quickly, and I always equate this as similar to online buying. Online buying was big in the U.S. Canada, we were more reserved. I don't know, what if somebody steals my credit card? Now, we're seeing a paradigm shift happening in Canada. Stores, such as what we call malls in North America, are on the decline, but online buying is it's, it's what we call the hockey stick growth. Um, so if I now look at that towards third-party maintenance, third-party maintenance has come out of 
the caves, I'm going to call it. It's come out of the back rooms, the back, the garages of two guys trying to run a business and saying, I'm, I can do maintenance. It's now becoming mainstream. We are now seeing uh, companies from the Fortune 100, Fortune 500, the companies that are 10 employees, all the way to 45,000 employees. What we're now seeing is they're now applying some level of what I'm calling the hybrid approach. I know I've got new equipment that I need to buy. I need to refresh. And we focus only on the data center, server storage networks. So they know that at some time, two years, three years from now, I have to buy net new because of some new functionalities. But then they look at their storage and they might say, well, this storage device works great or this server works great. I don't have a problem with it. It works. Instead of me putting out more capital I would love to extend the life of it another two years, maybe three years. But they're, they're, they're being held back by the OEMs with these, let's call it crazy maintenance contracts. So now there's a balancing act that happens within the finance world. And that is, should I go new or should I go, if I go old, the costs and the ROI to, doesn't maybe make sense. So you're in this vicious circle. And the manufacturers are created to do R&D, come up with new ideas, new technologies, and they try to pass that on to you and it's embedded in the price of the products. Well, what happens if you're not ready for that? What happens if your calendar doesn't fall in line with their calendar? So when we started the business, we recognized that there was a need for that. There was a need where some customers need seven months of a maintenance contract, not that rigid 12 months. They may need 14 months, very weird numbers. And that's what I call our sweet spot. So we focused on those We've never been the company that says to com- customers, don't buy new. You're going to have to buy new. What we do say, let's sweat the asset, give it a longer lifespan, but then do it on your time. We've even worked with customers with the OEMs, which sounds very weird because we're kind of, we're the, we're the competition, but we can also work with the OEMs as we transition, helping the customers transition from the old to the new. What does that mean for the customer? Um, you know, you're now talking a company that is in 140 plus countries. Um, we have over 16,000 customers. Um, warehouses, literally hundreds of warehouses around the world. Um, we can meet or exceed the exact same service levels that customers are getting with the OEMs. And with all of that, it's with certified OEM replacement parts. If they're not getting a no-name, we don't buy our products from eBay and those types of places. We buy them from the same distribution houses as the manufacturers. The difference is we recertify, recertify them. And what does that mean for our customers? We've seen where debt on arrival equipment is less than 0.25%. Whereas with the customers, they're at, <laughs> I'm going to say a much higher, nearly one8 you know, whatever those numbers are, 1.89 of their DOA. And I attribute that to our commitment to quality. We have a 97% customer retention. So when people say to me, what does that mean? They don't really leave. When they leave, it's because they're leaving to refresh, to go to the new, go back to the manufacturers because they've got, they bought their latest and greatest equipment. But the funny thing that happens, they will call me to say, Sean, oh, by the way, this older equipment is coming off a warranty, can I put that on with you? So it's a, great, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice place to be. When I look at Cork, we've done more than just first-level support. We have now moved towards our advanced engineering is here. We're getting quality 
folks coming from the OEMs with 14 plus years experience. And similar to the telcos, from the time that we service that client on that first line support, we can get the advanced engineering level three folks involved to resolve those more trickier problems. I think that's very interesting what you've raised there on the point of talent because personally I noticed that when a lot of tech companies come over and they make their job announcements they talk about support centres or they talk about sales they, they generally don't like to talk about engineering or you know getting their hands dirty if you if you will that's something you've really evolved into in Cork Absolutely it, it's key to us because remember when you look at a data centre a data centre is very Uh, technology-wise, there's so many layers to make a box run. It could be the OS layer integrated with third-party applications, integrated with firewalls, and you you start layering it all on top. It all has to work together. In the world of a customer, down is down. They don't want to hear the excuses of, well, it's not me, it's that company, or it's that. We try to bring that together. We don't want to do the finger-pointing, so we have experts that know how the box works. When you're a customer and you're talking to a park place engineering person, level three, it's not somebody that has maybe two years with Cisco. They have about 14 years. In fact, I can tell you that our level three folks come from the OEMs. So they've pretty much written the code. And a lot of times they even know the third level engineers from the OEM world. So we can speak with conviction, with clarity. A lot of times customers will even come to us when equipment is not on warranty with us, it may still be with the manufacturer, they will say, you know, Sean, I've got this box. I'm looking at, you know, maybe upgrading it to X or, or, or uh, a move. Let's call it a move that hasn't changed. And here's what I want to do. They'll work with the OEMs. For whatever reason, sometimes they don't feel comfortable with what they were told. Because again, the OEMs are going to focus on their machine. We're focusing on the data center. All of it, because it all has to come together. And we've had where on several occasions where the customers will say, can you come on a call with us and let's just walk this through. And again, you know what? We're not here to say anything negative about the manufacturers because they truly do want to do the right thing also by the customer. But I think what, what Park Place brings to the table, we view it from a much more homogeneous view. It's not as myopic. Um, And customers see value in that. And I think one of the things that customers see as a value is from the time that all of a sudden they've got that problem, our level three is right there with them. And we don't close until they tell us the problem is resolved. Let's talk about the, the scale of the data center industry at the moment because there are a lot of factors in play here. As you said, you're taking a, a hybrid approach where you're working with a lot of different countries, but we're now at a stage where you're actually dealing with a lot of different administrations, a different political climate, and we know at GDPR that when data is treated in different uh, ways in different locations, you're naturally going to see an expansion of your market in some places and a contraction in others. Is this a trend that you've seen? Yeah, so, you know, I'll tell you, so what we've had to do to adapt um, is, and this started happening a long time ago, so first of all, we don't touch customer data. Um, We work with the machines. So that means also we have, from a security standpoint, GDPR, PCI, compliancy, all of those things, we work to the customer's world. So, you know, when it comes to whatever security checks or certifications we have to have, we work with the customers. They will tell us what they need for us to have. 
we'll make sure we have those. Because to me, and to us, uh, it's all about the customer. They're, it's there. They are who we're, they're what drives our business. So we've got to listen to them. When you look at um, the machines, um, let's look at something sim- very simplistic of um, the... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, eliminating storage devices. And that has data. Uh, Park Place also has the process and procedures um, to, to do the ITAD. So if a customer says, hey, we want to we um, dispose of these boxes, um, every client is different, which means our process aligns with the client's process and procedures and security protocols. So if they say, hey, we need you to clean these boxes, we need the ITAD certification paper, we'll do that. Some customers will say, we don't want to junk it, we want you to junk it, and we'll work them, work through with them to make sure that they feel comfortable to meet their auditing practices. Um, as well as um, some of them might say, Sean, I want to junk it myself. But we'll make sure that we follow the process, they get the certs, and then they can follow their process that meets their security needs. When you look at the political, you know, let's be open about it, Brexit and all these things that are happening, um, we started planning for that more than two years ago. So right now, today... Whatever the decision is going to be made um, with, with what the United Kingdom is going to do, we're ready. Um, we're quite confident there will be zero impact to our customer base. We have technicians in-country. We have parts in-country. So we started that plan well in advance. Um, so, you know, so that's that part of the politics. Let's look at what's changing in the data center. Cloud on-prem, off-prem, hybrid approach. To us, the box has to sit somewhere. Where it sits, it's irrelevant. So we've worked with um, co-location facilities, neutral co-locate facilities, customers that have their data centers on-site in their own environment or non. It's just another place. And again, we make sure that we meet the customer's security procedures. We have customers, I will tell you this, that we, we also try to keep the same people to service them because to us it's all about relationships also if I know how to get to your building physically which door to go to immediately where to park my car what protocols I have to do to meet the security it just makes things a little bit faster and simpler for the customer and our technicians I can say that I'm very proud to say that we have customers around the world where they're so happy with us they've gone ahead and given us badges so they're like you know what at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday when it fails don't even call me you guys know what to do you know the procedures you know which books to fill out and all of that with security just go in there so they've given our people physical passes so they're like an extension of the staff and that is an honorable thing because that tells me they view us as an extension of their organization and there's a trust that's there so we make sure that we earn that every single day that uh, question of trust is quite interesting when you're looking at your own staff as an, as an extension of the customers. But another problem that you're going to have isn't just at the, the emotional or the, the personal level. It's, it's, it is at that level of hardware and the threats to hardware that we're seeing at the moment, particularly in terms of climate change. Yeah. Um, so what measures are in place or do you think should be in place to mitigate against sort of this, this climate uh, I'm catastrophe we're really on the verge of. So, everything that we do today is based on our senses, right? When you think about everything that we have today, it's based on I visually see red light, green light means good or bad. 
red light means oh it's always something bad green means good um, smell we look at um, if I smell smoke oh boy I've got a problem audible I hear a knocking oh that must be something wrong um, or vibration or something and that applies to you think about it your house lights your car data centers are no different anything that's electronic doesn't just break it starts doing things that as a human being our senses may not pick up so several years ago we knew that we need to change the landscape of the data centers and how we support it it can't be any more the reactive mode which is when it breaks we then rush in and fix it because at that point it's after the fact you're down data centers are now from, a, from an environmental they're all over the place they could be in remote locations the world is truly expanding at the same time becoming smaller being that you could have someone connected that's so far up north um, where it's connected by satellite communication but that data center is there how do you monitor it? how do you monitor what's going on with it in advance so we have a product called Parkview and really what Parkview is it's uh, artificial intelligence it's machine learning it's all encrypted. It's only outbound data. Um, it meets, you know, G- GDPR. It meets PCI. All their banks that are on it, different companies, different companies of different layer, multiple layers of security. And really, here's what happens in the world of the data centers. Your box does something funky. The customer has to call the manufacturer. And then that process starts, the back and forths, do this, do that, do this. I'm sending a technician in. We know industry standards, it's about eight interactions. And they're talking, but it could be seven hours of downtime as they work it through. To us, we knew that the markets are going to change. Customers are changing. Uptime is becoming more. You know, 20 years ago, if you said you had a three nines data center, wow, that's amazing. Then we went to four nines. Now we're going to five nines. And the big misconception that customers have is, well, my data center is 100% uptime, but no telco can provide you at 100% on the SLA. So it's, it's a chicken and egg. So we started looking at how do we really mitigate that piece of it. With our park view, um, if you remember what I just said, is that it's always dependent on the customer. The box does something, they initiate the call, then the process starts with the manufacturer. And then on top of that, if you've got a data center that has NetApp, Cisco, Dell, HP, EMC, that's multiple different vendors to call. Layered on top of that, customers will then look out, look to buy products like SolarWinds to monitor their network. You know, all different products to do certain things. And each of those, again, have a function. And they do, they're great products, do great jobs. We have a product that goes across all platforms. One product, Parkview. And here's, in a nutshell, what it does. I'm going to call the customer. We have case studies on us. We have thousands of customers that are on it. We will call the customer and we will say, server one, two, three, well, there's of course some security authentication and all that. And then we'll say, server one, two, three, four, five in rack seven located in your Dublin data center on this street. You have five days before it fails. We're going to tell you what is going on with the box. Customer may say, oh my gosh, no, it works great. It's fine. Your box will fail in five days. So they may say, what, what do we do now? It's running. you got five days. When can we come in to replace it? Not only that, the system is spitting out to me. Again, it's all outbound only. Machine language. It's telling me this is the problem. In the world of the OEM, 
the, the, the technicians, anybody, they go with what we call a kit. They fill their car up with motherboard, power supply, this and that, because they're not sure what the problem is. So they're going with a kit. And then sometimes they have to run back to the warehouse to get another part. There's no more guessing. The system is going to tell my technicians exactly, it, it's, it's tuned in with my inventory. You need to go to this warehouse to get that part. That's the problem. So now what happens is that we will open the ticket. We will triage it. Customer just has to tell me when to come in. So they may say, uh, okay, I've got five days. Can you come in on Saturday, 7 a.m.? Absolutely. And we will be on site. We've brought the interaction from... We, we were no different, to be very honest, than the OEMs. Um, I would like to say, arrogantly, maybe we're at six interactions, whereas they were in eight. We brought it down to two. So the impact of the customer now is we're eliminating the downtime. Because to us, they don't care that you are fast. They don't care that um, you were, you were uh, responding within... We called you and within one hour you had a tech on site. That's still one hour of downtime. Now what we're doing, we're eliminating the downtime and we're doing it on their terms. They might say, don't come on Friday because it's month end. Can you come Saturday morning? We will come in, swap the box, do the changes, make sure they're up and running. To their customers, they were never down. And it's been a, for certain customers, it's been a monumental success for them because not only here's where it really changed the data center they have folks that were before monitoring manually sitting there um, looking at boxes all day long what they've done is they've put in our product taken those same individuals and now moved them to strategic projects so remember there's that IT is driven by what the business gives them in of course funds and projects so it's people time and money what we've now done is reduce the cost give them back the time and the ironic part they've taken those people and said now move to projects and again it doesn't matter to us if they are from an environmental if they are cloud if they are on-prem off-prem on the edge it's just another place Another factor that uh, a lot of tech companies find themselves dealing with when they come to Ireland is the, the talent crisis. Um, and particularly, you know, at what stage do we think we will be able to fill all the jobs that either we can offer and in which areas are we looking to fill them in? So uh, we earlier made the distinction between admin and, and engineering jobs. So when you're looking at uh, what's happening in Ireland in STEM, do you have a timeline in mind at which you can think, okay, by 2020X, we are confident that the jobs market will be vibrant enough that we won't have to put, for want of a, a, a less coarse expression, as much support into STEM that we can rely on a natural pipeline of talent? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm going to tell you that um, I wish if we weren't having this conversation. I think it's a travesty that in 2019... We are having a conversation about gender equality. I think it's a travesty and a failure in the business world that we have to have STEM programs. So how do we combat that? First off, I can say that we're very lucky that we're getting great talent as of today. Um, and we've been able to accelerate that growth and it's been, it's been quite lucrative for us. Again, I think part of that is there's great talent in Ireland. Um, we also look at when we're when we are 
there's a lot of things that goes into when we open up an office location. When you look at Cork even, we look at accessibility for those individuals that have, have to buy housing, rent, um, transportation, getting in and out of the buildings. All those things we look at because I think that plays a part in if somebody is able to get a job. Um, distance that they have to travel. If it's three hours of traveling a day, that becomes uh, a deterrent for them to maybe accept a position. So we may pay the higher bit more rent to make sure that we can get the, we can attract the right talent. <clears throat> when it comes to STEM and, and those, this is key to us. We are, this is at every level of our company. We are looking for the best people to do the job. We don't care if it's male, female. It's, it's all about who's the best individual. But we recognize openly, and we have to be honest about it, is that we're still in a place where um, the doors have not been open for females, for women. Um, we still have that that ignorance of engineering is for women, uh, is for men, and uh, IT is for men. So what we're looking at doing is we've, of course, we're doing the STEM program, but we're going to the grassroots. We think it has to start way back, way back at the elementary level. Uh, uh, I think you guys call it the first. I, don't, I call it elementary from Canada. Sorry for my my uh, wording. Um, maybe primary school or whatever it starts. I think we have to start getting them interested from there. We have to op- let them know that that opportunity is there, and it's not about um, if you're a female, you're going to get a. a, a, a a job in the IT, but it's going to be a lower end job. In fact, I can tell you, and I'm absolutely proud, uh, several of our senior executives at the C-level are women in our company. Um, we have a strong management that's growing as in women. And that's in all areas, from not only the typical HR as we know it, uh, if we're going to be open about it and talk about it, is everyone from engineering all the way through operations with, in our company, it's everywhere. So one of the things that we are doing to start this change is the first thing you have to talk about it. Putting it in the back burner, not talking about it, doesn't make it go away. So when I look at um, coming from Canada, it is a conversational piece in a lot of companies now. It's no more a conversation that we don't have. It's in front. It's an uncomfortable conversation. And I think if you want to make change, you have to have those uncomfortable conversations. So we're having it. And I'm seeing that trending around the world. I can tell you that within Park Place, it is at our board level, it is at our sea level, and it's filtered all the way down. And it's not just a, um, we're talking it, we're walking the talk. So at the grassroots level, we're now involving young people and we're even at bringing them to our office. Because I think children, we think children, are very tactile. You can, I can come to your school, and I can talk about it, but what does that mean? I can also be intimidating if I wear a suit or whatnot. But what if I bring them, and I can show them this is how it is, and it can excite them, and technology is exciting. And when you really look at technology, it's not gender-based. It's just technology. So if you can get a young girl, a young child to think about, I could be doing this with technology, I could, I could do this. It has to start there. That paradigm mentality shift has to, has to start there. So now as we move through, the, I'm going to call it moving through the layers of the age groups. The other thing that we're doing is with STEM, as we work with the universities and, and the different programs, we want to continue that so again it's not just talking about it so what Park Place has done we've taken individuals and I'm proud to say from Ireland 
and we've brought them to the U.S. How better than to say, listen, we think you guys could be the next set of leaders for us. Come to the U.S. Come to our corporate office. Could be coming to, the, coming to any one of my EMEA offices. Work with us for the next two weeks. Be an employee. Let's show you what it's like. Be part of those meetings. And I think we're, well, I know we're going to continue those programs because I think it's all about um, opening up the doors for, for, for young people. You know, you asked me about, do we think we're going to hit a bit of a, of, of a wall? I think we're going to see um, the next generation start to retire quickly. This is a global problem I think we're going to face. Um, um, I also look back as, uh, at my age now, I look back and I'm like, wow, there are positions that were created that didn't have a title when I was younger. And there are positions that have just been, they're gone. Remember the old days of, um, I'm a webmaster? That doesn't exist anymore. That kind of title doesn't, it, it's gone away. It's all automated. So, you know, I think we've got to just work closer with the universe, work with, work with organizations, work with even government. Uh, at all at all levels to, to keep this in the forefront um, and right now today I can tell you that we've been very successful and uh, hopefully some of these individuals that we've brought to our corporate offices after they finish their schooling hopefully they will join us and that was Niall Kitson chatting with Sean Sears the Managing Director of Park Place that's it for our show this week remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie or of course listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra until next time from myself Justin Rhodes and from Niall Kitson thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend Get Tech Radio subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech Central